Welcome to Episode 9 of the Construction Leaders Podcast. You've heard us say it before, and we'll probably say it again. Construction is a complex and risky business. One of the most important tools to help us manage that complexity and risk are the contract documents. And just like other aspects of the industry, construction contracts have been evolving over the past few years, including the integration of automation, AI, and data analytics into contract development and contract administration. Joining Nick and I today is Josh Levy, the co-founder and CEO of Document Crunch, a contract intelligence platform for the construction industry. Josh has degrees and experience in both construction management and construction law, and he is on a mission to empower everyone to know what's in their contract and to drive industry-wide improvements, including transforming how the industry mitigates risk. Welcome to the podcast, Josh. Hey, thanks so much for having me today. Absolutely. Can you start off by telling us how you came to be doing the work that you're doing and how your experience in the construction contracting space led you to start Document Crunch? Absolutely, Carly. It's a great question. And I wish I could come here with some awesome, fascinating like tech guy story. Uh, you know, I dropped out of school to code and was in Silicon Valley and all this stuff. But uh, unfortunately, my story is not that sexy. It's been totally just informed by my experience in the industry. You know, I grew up in the Miami area. We were just talking about that a little bit before the show and uh, ended up attending the University of Florida where I was a construction management major. You know, when I graduated in 2005, it was during one of the booms and I had done a bunch of internships with large contractors. And I was fortunate at the time to have offers to go work as a project manager really all over the country for a bunch of companies. At that time, there was just so many more jobs and there were available students to fill those those roles coming out of my program. And, you know, I kind of did some soul searching and decided at the ripe old age of 22-ish that, you know, I didn't want to be a project manager. I had a professor in my school who used to say, to be a project manager, you just have to love the smell of concrete and sawdust. And, you know, having done those internships, I didn't. I appreciated the business side of the industry, but did it just didn't see a career for me being on site every single day. So actually, I ended up working for a startup company for a few years in sales. So maybe my story is a bit sexier than I initially presented it. But like a lot of confused kids did, I, I went to law school after a couple of years, uh, you know, in the real world and went back home to the University of Miami where I got a degree in law school. And of course the market had turned while I was in law school. And now we were in like this terrible, the great recession, you know, and that I started law school in 2007, graduated in 10. So I like right smack dab in the middle of that. Well, the only area that was going on with any success in the legal community at that time was construction law, because all these buildings had been built during the boom, and now we're all in litigation in that South Florida area. So anyway, about 15 years ago this summer, I actually had clerked for the preeminent construction law firm in the United States. They had a Miami office, and at the time, 15 years ago, I was working for a young partner in that office by the name of Adam Hanfinger. Aside from just having the funniest last name ever, Adam is an important character to be aware of because Adam you know, fast forward 15 years later, Adam is the managing partner of that law firm. He sits on the executive committee nationwide, and he is actually my co-founder of Document Crunch. So Adam and I practiced law together for several years, or we were exclusively representing general contractors, big general contractors, and, you know, dealing with everything from litigation to day-to-day project issues. And eight years ago, I got recruited to and moved to Atlanta, where I am today, because an ENR top contractor brought me in house. So, you know, I went from private practice where I was representing a bunch of companies to where I was waking up every day, you know, working for a construction company as their lawyer, 
The business unit that I had was the Southeast Operations of a national ENR top 20 contractor. That business unit grew substantially while I was there. And during my time there, I ended up leading the legal department there. I ended up hiring Adam and my old firm to help me with some of the mundane contract review tasks that I was being asked to do every single day there, this high growth period. And, And imagine, and this is important, one of the things that was on my plate was Hey, we're bidding a job and we're expected to, you know, provide at least some qualifications or comments about the contract as part of our bid for this project. That's at least expected with commercial or private developers, but certainly also required in a lot of instances when you're talking about public projects. So anyway, that was part of my job and I hired Adam to help me with some of the overflow there. And he and I just started collaborating and started saying, you know, like we wish that we could be more efficient in this regard. So we started looking for just some technology to make us more efficient there. I was challenging him to not bill me hourly for that work. And he was saying, millennials like you are, are now running legal departments. I've got to figure out a better way to, to, you know, provide my service. So we just started looking at some just applications out there to speed up document review. And I had two very important insights during that process. One, there was nothing that was purpose-built for the construction industry, which was interesting to Adam and I, right? There were some just general review, talking review platforms or other, like more, I would say, just general legal purposes, but nothing specific to the construction industry, but much more important than that. And this realization, well, a lot of these companies out there in this really big industry don't have someone like me that they can afford to have in-house to look at every piece of paper that comes across their desk. So I've been working with these smaller contractors or trade partners my whole career, even architects and designers that... They didn't have someone like me sitting across the table understanding what the risk was in these contracts. So that was one insight. But much more importantly than this idea of, hey, like you should know what you are signing up for. Every single day, I would have a line of operators outside my office while I was doing all that legal work, while I had my head down, I was reviewing contracts. I'd have a line of people outside my office every day pacing with a hard hat in one hand and a piece of paper in the other hand. And they would come and they would knock on my door and they would say, hey, can we talk for a second? Something happened on the job site. What does our contract say? What do we do? How do we handle this change event? How do we handle that someone's not showing up on time? Oh, it's raining. What do we do? How do we paper this the right way? And what I quickly understood, in addition to just this software not being purpose-built for the construction industry specifically, was so much of our industry needs to manage their contracts day-to-day at the project level. And that contract is a black box for them. And the little dinks and dunks that happen in a project every single day, you know, the inability to properly leverage the contract leads to what I'll call fee erosion or just profit loss. Not necessarily the big catastrophic outcomes, but all the little things that happen every single day. And kind of in response to that, me understanding that most of the industry is signing up for contracts without properly maybe understanding what they're signing up for. And whether you had someone like me in-house or you didn't have someone like me in-house, certainly most project teams feel that the contract is a black box and aren't optimizing their decisions around the contract. That led to the founding of, of Document Crunch. And really, you know, our mission is to empower everyone, and I mean everyone, to understand what's in their contract every single day. And that's from the back office all the way into the field. So first off, Josh, go Hurricanes. I know you're a Gator <laughs> too, but go Hurricanes. And secondly, uh, give me a little bit of explanation on how Document Crunch actually works and, and how it uses AI. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to really make this a simple explanation since you're a, a Canes fan. Maybe we could be a little higher level if we were doing this for the Gator fan. But anyway, um, I'm kidding. I also have a degree from, from Miami as well. Yeah, so Document Crunch does two things exceptionally well today. We find critical issues in your contract and we provide some guidance and rationale around those issues. So the technology 
frankly, has evolved since we started. And there's more that goes into it today. But imagine at a very high level, we leverage natural language processing, which is a form of artificial intelligence. Essentially, we taught a machine the concepts that we would care about in construction contracts so that it could find that, you know, almost instantly. It's not quite instantly, but like imagine 100 or 500x what, a, what it would take a human to kind of go through and navigate a contract for a ton of different issues that we would care about. And then we provided some interactive guidance or rationale around those issues. And then on top of that, what we built is kind of a user experience or a product, frankly, that addresses different workflows that the industry would care about. The two that I'll talk to today are, hey, before you sign a contract, make sure you understand what's in it. And two, you're a project team kicking off you know, your operation at the project level. Here are the things that you should know about and that you should be collaborating as a project team around to manage the contract most efficiently or what we call a project team cheat sheet. So the risk review and the cheat sheet are the two vehicles for which we deliver that value. But artificial intelligence finds those issues. And then we've got just some other proprietary user experience around some explanations and guidance around those issues as well. Talk to me a little bit about what market sectors in the construction industry it addresses. Yeah. So my overarching experience has been that construction contracts, the issues are fairly uniform across all market sectors. So we are being used all over the place. We have a separate module for design build contracts and EPC contracts and what our normal comprehensive risk review would address. But I would say where we really shine is in that commercial and industrial and you know even vertical space. But certainly many heavy civil or infrastructure contracts are also being run through our product. I would say that where we probably get the least amount of play right now, and, I, and there's probably a pretty good reason why, is we don't really, I don't think a lot of residential builders are leveraging our product. I think there's a few reasons for that. Those contracts tend to be a little bit more simple. Oftentimes the residential builder actually sources the contract versus the owner sourcing the contract in that commercial, industrial, or heavy civil world. But I would say that our, our application is generally applicable to all different market sectors, but where we're really shined or used the most is in that like commercial and industrial spaces and and we're being used by you know big contractors and small contractors across the board there. Josh, I know we started talking about AI, but I'm wondering about chat GPT specifically. And I'll be honest, before this year, I had never heard of chat GPT. So for, you know, for the lay persons like myself, can you just, I guess, explain how it's used and what it does well and maybe what it does not do well? Yeah. So let's start here, Carly, because, you know, Nick originally said, well, tell us a little bit about the AI being. So let me start to say that I don't believe that Document Crunch is actually a tech company. I believe Document Crunch is a company that's hell-bent on empowering everyone to understand what's in their contracts. And we were founded because we believe that we could leverage and know technology at that time to deliver those types of insights to the industry. And so when I said that technology is evolving, you know, large language models or what you're referring to as chat GPT are certainly starting to enter the fold, as are some other proprietary things that we are developing at Document Crunch in the AI realm, but also in the heuristics realm or for the non-software people out there. You know, imagine that we're just, you know, started coding our own logic and insights into the platform as well. So the advancements of large language models and generative AI, Carly, it's incredibly powerful. And so imagine, you know, and this would be the way that I'd be able to, to break this down most simply for you. So imagine that I've said that Document Crunch in our, our the first generation of our product, we would identify those issues for you and your contract. With the advent of generative AI, we now believe that we have the ability to provide some more qualitative insights around those issues specific to what you're looking at. Like the ability to not just identify or classify the issue, 
but then make it some interpretations or explanations around those issues. That's kind of the next generation of this technology. We are rolling out our first products, which will incorporate generative AI into them. Our first product is going into beta in about three weeks from now with some of our select customers, but then we'll roll it out to the general population a little bit later this year. But you know, you asked the question, and, and by the way, Carly, I'm a little bit ahead of you in being familiar with this technology because like I said, I'm not a software guy, but because Document Crunch has grown a lot over the years, I've got a lot of those software dorks and engineering dorks on my team that have been all over this stuff from day one. And so they've been pounding this on me. Like we've got to get that. We've got to be leveraging this. We've got to be leveraging this. So we've been, we've been looking at this for quite a while. And so I do feel like I have a good opinion of where I think it's powerful and where I think it's limited to answer your question. So here's what I would say with something like chat GPT. It's excellent off the shelf for probabilistic type of exercises. So, you know, I know this is audio only, but Carly is wearing a, a black shirt and a white headset right now. And if you wanted to like, you know, send ChatGPT a picture or send a large language model a picture and say, hey, this is what I wore today. Could you make some suggestions of what you think I should wear tomorrow? It's awesome at that kind of creative iteration. Like, well, based on that, here's some suggestions, right? There's no wrong answer. It's simply just helping kind of like, you know, make some suggestions to get you started. Off the shelf, it's awesome for that. The issue is, and what we've learned, and, you know, frankly, the expectations around my product, but a lot of like business software is, we probabilistic outcomes are not enough. We need deterministic outcomes. And the issue that I have with ChatGPT is left to its own devices. There's two potential failure points. One is, does the user even know the right question to ask? So let's just talk about the contract for a second. Okay, like if the user is the chief legal officer of a construction company or some construction expert, sure, they could probably know exactly what they wanted to ask or exactly what they would want to look for. And then two, is the answer accurate? Well, both of those, the input and the output, are both subject to being flawed if you're just using something like ChatGPT off the shelf for deterministic outcomes. But where we find that it becomes really powerful is, what if we could take the questions away from the user and just prompt on our own what exactly what we know the user would want to know? And what if we had a way to knit that technology or that large language model on top of the things that we already know we should be looking for based on our core technology, then it starts to get really powerful. So in other words, rather than just like an open interface, like, hey, answer the following question that I have about X, Y, and Z, where both the input and the output could potentially be shaky. How about, how the way we're thinking about it, hey, we want you, chat GPT or a large language model, to look exactly at this issue and answer the following three questions about this one issue in this instance. It's incredibly powerful there. And that's how we're thinking about it. But, you know, I, I'm a little bit hesitant for our industry, Carly. There's so many companies now rushing to just put out, you know, very shallow solutions where both that input and that output may be inaccurate. And I think it's going to cause some people to get burned in the long run. So I'm looking forward to that haze kind of burning off a little bit and really like what I'll call deterministic solutions being rolled out around this technology because it is really powerful. And that's a good point, Josh. I, you know, I'm a little hesitant for another reason. And this industry is inherently, and I'm going to get some hate mail for this, but inherently it does not adjust well to technology. There's not a lot of adjustments that have happened in construction on a rapid pace compared to other industries like healthcare and uh, IT, where this industry moves faster than the speed of light as a tech company might. So they're often reluctant to adapt new technologies to do these kinds of things. 
And, you know, there's going to be some old guard that are going to be very hesitant that they might lose their job. What do you say to those people who are hesitant to adopt the new technology and are worried about job security? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think, you know, you're clicking up a notch here to this you know, an overarching concept with our industry. So I, our industry is hesitant to adopt technology. We have a reputation, right? And it's, and it's been earned in part. But I actually think it goes two ways here. And this goes to what I'm saying here, Nick. I think that it's incumbent upon us software providers out there to deliver a lot of value in the solutions that we can bring to the table and not leave like shallow solutions that allow people to get burned. But I guess the bigger point is, and I do believe this about generative AI or, or chat GPT as Carly referred to it as, but I do believe that there is going to emerge in the, in the broader, not just construction, broader landscape of the business community. There's going to be a world of haves and have nots. The haves are going to be those people that figure out a way to leverage this technology to be greatly more efficient. The have nots are going to be the people that are slow to adopt this. So I do not think that this is necessarily going to replace jobs, but I do think that this is going to redefine maybe some of the tasks that are being done by certain jobs. And those people that get ahead of this will be the ones that benefit from this technology. The ones that, that are slow to adopt it will be the ones that potentially become not as competitive or not as effective in their jobs because they're hanging on to old tasks, which, which rightfully could be done by technology such as this. It is a little bit of a seesaw right now, right? We've got to put out great solutions that actually solve real problems for our industry. But on the other hand, I mean, what I would say to, it's not just this technology. I mean, to the construction industry at large is listening to this. I mean, there's a proliferation of technology and software that's coming into our space even before generative AI. And there are clearly companies and humans that are figuring out a way to leverage this and that are getting ahead. And to just bury your head in the sand and pretend like none of this is a problem, I think there's a little bit of or problems are always say to pretend like none of this needs to apply to you is a little bit of a, of a mistake. And I would challenge that anyone who is taking that approach is probably going to find themselves falling behind. I fully agree with the adoption of technology needs to happen and don't bury your head in the sand change. You know, you can't have progress without change. So my question for you, I guess, on the same topic is... Do you believe this is going to ride a similar wave to the dot-com or crypto era, you know, and take a little bit longer to adopt? Or do you think this is something that, you know, people should be looking at now and considering now? Yeah, I find this fundamentally different than the cryptocurrency movement. And again, keep in mind, I'm not a I'm not an investor. I'm not, you know, I'm not someone who really necessarily needs to be opining about all this stuff. But since you asked, I believe that this technology it pointed the right way. And frankly, like even the way that we're thinking about rolling it out with at Document Crunch, I believe that this is going to solve real business solutions for our industry in a way that we have not been able to solve before. I mean, I see a world where this technology can be used to automate a lot of contract compliance. You know, I was talking about teams not, you know, necessarily understanding the contract. Well, today we're empowering the teams to understand the contract and we're helping them better understand what that black box is. But imagine if we could further bulletproof it. Instead of reference document crunch to what to do when it's raining, what about, uh, hey, Nick, it's raining. Section 42 says you get time and money. Section 47 says you have three days to give notice. Click here to give a contractually compliant notice. That proactive automation is a really big game changer. I mean, that's exactly how we're thinking about rolling it out at Document Crunch. So I do believe that this technology has very real business implications. I would say this would be much more tantamount to like, the wireless internet era than it would be to the cryptocurrency era. 
companies that use this will become inherently in a better position or have a better future than they had in the past with a myriad of different tasks. So Josh, can you tell us a little bit about how someone can essentially de-risk a construction project using contract intelligence? What are some of the areas of risk to be aware of? And are there new areas of risk due to AI that can be mitigated by using AI? Great question. So let's start with, you know, it, it depends on what the purpose of de-risk, where in the process or the life cycle of the project you're looking to de-risk. So there's a couple of really big issues that are pretty universally accepted that could really torpedo a construction company if they sign up for risks associated with things like consequential damages or waivers of subrogation or indemnity rights. So, you know, the idea here is if you're in that back office, you should at least understand the risk profile that you're signing up for so that even if you can't negotiate that issue, you should be in a position to understand it, price it, mitigate it, et cetera. You know, what you get for schedule delays to the schedule, things like that. So the back office, I mean, I've seen people get upside down many different times, just taking on too much risk and not being aware of what they were taking on. Whether you can negotiate it or not, that awareness is really important. Same thing at the project level, complying with the contract matters. I mean, I've seen trade partners get terminated from a project site because they were tweeting out pictures or putting on LinkedIn pictures of the job site, even though there was a confidentiality provision. I can't tell you how many disputes I've had, hundreds of millions of dollars in, in claims I've been involved in in my career. A lot of times it results or it relates to, did the team properly paper the claim for the terms of the contract while it was going on? So understanding the procedures related to how do you give notice? What are you entitled to? And then just as simply, Carly, is so much of our industry it's so dynamic, the construction project. Time and money for performance changes all the time. And so much of that gets resolved in a job trailer where you're sitting across the, the, the table from the owner or the architect or the subcontractor or the general contractor. And you're just saying, hey, let's just hash this out and sign this thing now and let's get this done, right? So understanding how all that works, it really boils down to and goes to our mission. You want to understand what the deal is before you go into those types of discussions or before you go into that type of a negotiation or when you're just sitting down informally, knowledge is power. And so I think that using contract intelligence to gain knowledge just puts you in a better position than if you were going in blind. I mean, so many times, you know, project managers in my career, you know, hey, you know, yeah, this happened back earlier in the project, but we, we knew that we were just a few days behind and everyone promised that we'd resolve this at the end of the project. Do you think it ever gets resolved at the end of the project? Absolutely not. It never gets resolved at the end of the project. Oh, the owner said just to use our unused contingency for this item, even though it was a change order. Well, now the contingency has been depleted six, seven months later, and now you have a legitimate contingency event, and the project manager is coming back saying, well, the owner said, you think the owner is just giving you that contingency back? Absolutely not. So like having that wherewithal and that knowledge is super important. And so contract intelligence, it matters, right? You want people, knowledge is power, whether you're negotiating a contract in the back office or you're running a project in the field. There are definitely new risks that have come out generally with business with regard to AI. I don't know that I could say that any of those risks are unique to construction, nor have I seen a scenario where using AI could mitigate some of those AI risks in the per construction company yet. That's a very interesting question that I have to spend a little bit more time thinking about. I think that's just generally speaking, when you think about artificial intelligence, there's a lot of concerns now about data security, you know, identifying information, people's confidential information getting out. Candidly, I actually was on the phone with a dean of a university's construction program, and they're taking off some research. And he said, what should I be researching around AI? And my feedback to him was, I'd love to know how much different the data privacy concerns are today 
now knowing that AI is such a big deal as they were six months ago when everything else lived in our cloud or all these other applications that we put all this stuff in. You know, my point being, I think that we've been sharing our anonymized data for a long time. It's not to say that there's not some new concerns with AI, but I wonder how much of this is now just this new fear that your information is being used because of like how quickly this has taken off versus how much were we previously already sharing before this technology started taking off. That's actually a good segue to our last question here. Can you talk a little bit about what lawyers can do to make sure that, for example, ChatGPT or other similar technologies don't create new forms of liability, just thinking about things like copyright concerns and what they can do to combat that? Yeah, I think there's a myriad of risks of this technology, just like any other technology. Lawyers, frankly, are not the decision makers. Lawyers should be the advisors to the company. So I think lawyers wrapping their heads around all the different potential risks and like really thinking through what exposures maybe their clients have is the first step. Ultimately, and again, it's like it's not unlike the mission of DocuGrunch. What you want is informed clients making good business decisions based on that information. So I think that it's just incumbent upon like anything new for advisors to get ahead of these issues, understand you know, again, what risks are there and then be transparent in communicating those risks to the businesses that are potentially impacted by it so that the businesses can make good decisions. You know, and again, it's not to say that there's not a risk of using chat GPT. There is a risk of using chat GPT. The question is, are you putting attorney client information in chat GPT with that risk? Or are you a construction company running a publicly available bid document through chat GPT? That's already out there. I mean, those are two different levels of risk. And I think that businesses need to understand how that impacts them or where the risk really is. And again, like kind of one thing that I'm starting to pull on is, and we're taking this very seriously, which is part of the reason why we haven't rolled this out too soon. But one of the things that I'm just curious on, you know, and what I'm challenging my team on is how much more risk is there now because of this? What about the stuff that I've been saving in the cloud for the last 10 years? Is there risk there? Is my anonymized information being consumed by other providers that informs how I shop or what ads they should be suggesting for me? Or I think some of this may be have already been underlying some of our commercial activity for a while now. Maybe it's just becoming a little bit more pronounced due to the nature of this, but I don't think that attorneys can do anything other than get educated and communicate appropriate information to their clients. Well, you certainly made me nervous about all this AI talk, and I know it's the hot topic and it's everywhere. So I appreciate, Josh, you spending some time with us to talk to us about Document Crunch and for all the experiences that you have with this, even though you say you're not a tech person. So it does clearly sound like you have a lot more knowledge than most of us. So thank you for joining the show today, and we look forward to hearing more about Document Crunch in the future. For more information about Document Crunch, visit documentcrunch.com. Coming up on the Construction Leaders Podcast, we will be talking with the Associated General Contractors of America, also known as AGC, about making a commitment to the culture of care and what it means to be part of a welcoming, diverse, and safe environment. Make sure you download or subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at CMAA underscore HQ. Don't forget to leave us a review with your thoughts of today's episode and let us know what you'd like to hear on an upcoming podcast. On behalf of CMAA, I'm Nick Soto with Carly Trout. Thank you for listening.